Well, while you're standing, we'll go ahead and jump into our scripture for today. I'm starting a new series today called I'll Do It Tomorrow, Finding the Power to Change. And I'm looking forward to this. I know that many of us in the room are facing some big decisions, uh, some uncertain futures, some things that we need to step into. And I know some of us in the room during this series, I'll be addressing procrastination and what the Bible has to say about that. And it's probably not what you think. It's going to be a great sermon. It's already helped me in my study time because uh, I generally procrastinate on procrastination. Uh, So we're going to address that and talk about change. But today, I want to come at it from the angle of every season, every season, because I believe that change is a part of life, and change will either bring us closer to God or further away. And we pick up our text today in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. It's a very popular text. You've probably heard it maybe at weddings, maybe at funerals. But this is where you would find it, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. That is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away. God does it so that men will revere him. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for the time we've already spent with you, the time that you have just moved our hearts. You've encouraged us and inspired us. You've received our worship this morning. God, I ask that Holy Spirit would um, just receive our invitation to stir our hearts even more, to let this word settle in the dark places of our heart, the places that maybe we've kept you at arm's length. God, let today be a day of freedom for someone in this room and someone watching online. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. Before you turn around, before you sit down, turn around, meet two or three people that you don't already know and tell them change is coming.
April showers bring, no, April showers bring May cloud to ground lightning. I love seasons. I love, I love to see seasons change, not in Texas, but on the calendar at least. When I just know we've stepped into spring, it just feels so nice. When we step into summer, I'm like ready for it. When we step into fall and, and winter. And on some occasion, I get to travel to states where they have multiple seasons. That's awesome. Um, but seasons change. And no one knows that better than moms, by the way. Moms understand that seasons change. And just because the baby's good this hour doesn't mean the baby's going to be peaceful next hour. Moms understand that seasons change. But I think on some level, we all do. Whether you're a woman or a man, an adult or child, we learn that lesson pretty early on in life. Seasons change. We all go through seasons. And in Texas, we have uh, two primary seasons, two distinct seasons in Texas. We have baseball and football season in Texas, right? Seasons change. There was a a little boy that was getting ready for Little League. And he went out to the ball field and no one was around. He was trying to pump himself up. He was, he was excited for tryouts. And, you know, I played Little League, so I think for like half a season. And I understand the, the fear and the concern of going to tryouts, but he was pumping himself up, you know. And he goes out to the field and he has a ball and he has a bat. And he's determined that he's going to be the best ball player that ever existed. And so he throws the ball up, and he takes a swing, and he misses. And he says, that's okay. I'm the best batter in the whole world. I'm going to try again. So he picks up the ball, and he throws it up in the air, and he shouts at the top of his lungs, I'm the best batter in the whole world. And he strikes out again ball falls to the ground, picks up the ball, throws it up in the air, screams at the top of his lungs, I'm the best batter in the whole world. And he misses. Third strike, he's, and he looks down at the ball, picks it up, and says, I'm the best pitcher in the whole world. Perspective is key to understanding the different seasons that we go through. The seasons that you are currently in, it may feel like you're striking out, but maybe you're just the best pitcher. Maybe you're pitching and striking yourself out, and you're just that good. Perspective is key, and here's what I do know, that change is a part of life. You're going to go through change. You're in change right now, even if you feel like nothing is changing. You're in change. Change is a part of life, and it's either going to bring you closer to God or further away. So today, I want to talk about six truths of change. Six truths of change. In the text that we read, this is a beautiful example of change. It gives you so many examples of there's a time for this, a time for that. In fact, I would encourage you to go back and read this text later on today when you have some time, maybe while you're waiting for three hours at lunch to get a table. Uh, You read this block of text and go ahead and underline in your Bible all the different seasons you've been through. You've been through a season of being born 
Have you been through a season of being born again? Have you been through a season of planting? Have you been through a season of being uprooted? Have you been through a season of killing? Hopefully you have. Hopefully you've killed some things in your life. If you're over the age of 13, you should have a kill list already. You should already know what things you've put to bed in your life. What things you've put to sleep. What things you've choked out in your life. You guys are so quiet. It's a time to kill. Oh, you just thought that it didn't apply to you because you're not a mass murderer. It's time to kill something in your life. That pride, it's, it's time to die. That, that insecurity, it's time to shatter it and just let it go into a million pieces. Something in your life, it's time to kill. So you go back and you read this and see what season are you in? What season have you gone through? What season do you think God might be taking you through? Because here's point number one. Change is inevitable. Look at your neighbor and say, change is a coming. Change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. How many of you hate change? It's hard. A lot of hands, you hate change. I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't hate change. I love change. I change things just because I, I'm ready for change. Uh, but I get that you hate change, but change is inevitable. And everything has its own season. Ecclesiastes 3.1 reminds us that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time for everything. In the Bible, there are two words for time. The first is chronos, which we get our word chronology from, and it refers to time as in a linear sequence. So when you're referencing seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years, decades, centuries, you're using the word chronos. But the other word for time other than chronos is kairos. That's the word that our text is using today. Kairos means the right season, the right proper moment of time that comes our way. And that's important because some of us are trying to step into a season and it's not the Kairos time yet. <laughs> We're trying to make things happen. We're trying to put ourselves somewhere. We're trying to fix the situation. Rather than allowing God to let the time happen, we're just thinking chronologically. Well, my job looks like this, or my family looks like this, or my wallet looks like this, so clearly the next chronological step must be this. But how many know when God puts his hand on something, he's not bound by time? He's not bound by your chronology. He's not bound by what you think should be next in the order of your life. We're talking here today about Kairos, the right season, the proper moment of time that comes our way. There's a time for everything. <laughs> and to know the right time is wisdom. I remember, I remember in school learning to tell time. Anyone else actually literally remember little paper clocks? And you got to draw the hands and you didn't understand why. 
why is there a two? But then right after that, that means 11. That makes no sense. The 11's over here, but if it's 211, why am I, and shorthand and longhand. And I was so proud when I learned to tell time. Like, I remember for a, a large part of my, my childhood, I looked down on kids with digital watches. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, you needed that? I don't. The two hands work for me. And so I'd wear the watch. I'd look at the time on the, the wall. I would learn to tell time, but there's another time that we got to learn to tell, and it's much harder than the 1 through 12. <laughs> it's the Kairos time that we're talking about today, to, to know the season that God has placed us in. Is it a season to speak up, or is it a season to be quiet? Is it a season to run, or a season to stay? Is it a season to look for the next best thing or to stay planted where God has you because he still wants to use you in that very messed up situation? We have to learn how to tell time. Telling the time is wisdom. Proverbs gives us the example of wisdom by telling us the analogy of the ant. Not Aunt Martha, the ant on the ground. The ants on your kitchen counter. The ants out by the pool and in the yard. Proverbs 6, 6 says, look to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> well, that's encouraging. Look to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. If you learn from the ant, you can be wise. And why are the ants lifted up in scripture? Why are they so valuable? And it, the truth is, ants drive me nuts. We were in the garden just this past week, and my wife was looking at something on the tree, and all of a sudden she screams bloody murder, and there are ants that have made their way from her toes to her earlobes. And she's running around, shaking them off, and then she becomes this big red bubble. And ants are, ants are awful. I hate ants, but the Bible calls them wise. They're wise because they know what season it is. They're wise because they know how to tell the time. Proverbs 30, 25 says, Ants are creatures of little strength, but they store up food in the summer. Ants have little strength, but massive wisdom because they know what season it is. They know that winter's coming. And so if it's summer, if it's picnic season, they're working. They're going to be carrying away the grilled cheese that you have in your little picnic basket. And, and they're going to store all the food during the summer because they know that the other season is coming. They're wise. They know how to tell time. Consider the ant. Ants understand seasons and they live according to the season. We just have to get better about living in the season God has placed us. We try to live in the next season and some of us, let's be honest, are still living like we're in the last season. God's already delivered you from that season, but you still act like you're in that season because we don't know how to tell time. Change is inevitable. And some of us today, I love the story of the ant because so many of us put all of our focus and effort on just trying to be strong, you know? Like, oh, life is really difficult. I've had really bad things happen. I'm going to be strong. I personally love the really ridiculous quotes that say, well, God must know you're strong or he would have given you so much. That's rubbish. 
That's completely not biblical. And we get so focused on strength that we overlook wisdom. Look at the ant. He has little strength. But abundance in wisdom. Maybe in our seasons where we're looking for strength, maybe we just need discernment. Maybe we need to, instead of asking God to fill us with more strength, we should probably ask him to give us heaven's eyes. Let us determine the season you've placed us in and what's the next best right move for us today. Discerning the season brings more value than your strength. Some of us today are in a season of singleness. Some of us are in a, single of pers- a season of perseverance, a season of rest. There's nothing worse than a person who has gone on a season of rest and then they're called back to work, but they've forgotten that they're done with the rest. And it's equally bad when you're in a season of work and then God calls you into a season of rest, but you won't rest because you brought work into this season. And listen, you can't bring your last season into your current season. Seasons are inevitable, which means it's going to pass you by. The season you're currently in didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Of course, seasons are inevitable. And one of Satan's primary goals is to get you to not live in the season you're in, to distract you with the other seasons that might be coming your way. Or distract you with the season that we're behind. Because he knows that if you don't live in today's season, you won't maximize the benefit of what God has for you in today's season. So if you're in a season of singleness, don't be looking. You can go on dates. I'm not saying don't date. But don't be so consumed with someone finding you valuable enough that you miss this beautiful singleness season that even the Apostle Paul said, take advantage of it. These are the moments where you can lean into the nature of God and you, have, you don't have the restrictions that married folk do. And then you got married people who don't enjoy the season of marriage. They wish they were single. Marriage is beautiful. It, it shows you the heart of God. It gives you so many opportunities to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and to forgive others. Being married is is a reflection of the nature of God when together a husband and a wife can just challenge one another and grow closer to the image of God. Don't be in fact, even in the marriage of even in the season of marriage, and maybe your marriage is struggling right now, don't be so looking forward to the season of relief that you miss the beauty and what God is doing in the season of struggle. Not all married people want to be unmarried. They just don't want to be in the season they're currently in. But you're in it. In it. The enemy wants you to get distracted from today's season and get focused on the next season. Truth number two. God is the author of change. Now, I don't want to call you out if you said you hate change. But I will just remind you that God is the author of change. Now, who wants to admit you hate change again? No, I'm just kidding. Everyone's like, I'm not changing my mind. I hate change. (laughs) God is the author of change. Isaiah 43, 19 says, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God is the author of change, and he's doing a new thing. And listen, if God didn't cause it, I know some of you right now are saying, Pastor, you don't know the change that I'm going through. I know that God didn't create this change. God is not the author of divorce. God is not the author of terminal illness. God is not the author of losing my job. Like this change that we're going through, I really don't see that God did it. God is the author of all change. There is nothing that lands in your lap that is not first sifted through the hands of God. And God will not cause destruction on you, but if God didn't cause it, he will use it. Romans 8.28 tells us that he uses all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So, yeah, maybe God didn't bring this situation on you, but God is the author of change. He can change the situation. He can change the turmoil that your life is in. Imagine for a moment, if you're like me and you love to read, and I could just spend days at the beach on a towel just reading and listening to the waves or in a hammock. Imagine your favorite author and your favorite book. And you're reading that book, and you've read it so many times that you have it memorized. You know what's coming next. You could just tell the story. Like, you could even just write it paragraph for paragraph. Imagine now if we lived in a world where that author could just randomly change the book at any point change the story. Well, this is your favorite author. You love the way he writes. You're already invested in the story. So you're going to read it again and again, and you're going to be looking for the change. You're going to be anticipating the change. And even if things are bad and you remember from the first version that things were very bad, you now know that there is an author who can change the writing in the book. God is the author of change. And it's just like that in our life. God is fully able to change what we need so that we experience all the growth that he has for us. God is the author of change. The third truth today. I hope you got your notes. I hope you're taking this down because this would be good to put on your fridge this week. Change reveals God's steadfastness. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. The last verse you just read to us, it said, I'm doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Now you're saying that the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which is it? Is he consistent or is he changing? Yes. He's changing consistently. But yet he's consistent. Because he's God. And he can do both really well. And he can change how he shows up to you one day. He can show up to you in fire and a windstorm. One day he can show up to you in a burning bush. One day he can show up to you as an angel. One day he can show up to you as a donkey that's talk, talking. He changes. He does things differently all, all the time. But 
but he never changes. His care for you doesn't change based on your behavior. The salvation that he paid for you doesn't change based on your level of faith. You don't have faith in your faithfulness. You have faith in the one who gave it all for you. He never changes. And he always changes. It's beautiful. Because just like the disciples who walked the road to Emmaus had spent years with Jesus, and now they're walking a seven-mile stretch of road, they don't recognize him because he came in a different form. And God loves us enough to sometimes show up differently because you've had enough of him the other way. You won't catch on if he shows up the other way. You won't take him seriously if he shows up the other way. So he, he changes it up a little bit and he shows up a different way. And sometimes it may even look like tragedy, but if you look hard enough, you can still see a Jesus standing somewhere in the fire. Change reveals God's steadfastness. Point number four, wow, this is a good sermon. Point number four, change increases our humility. I know you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that change is good for you. You want to just chalk it up to the fact that you tolerate change because change is inevitable. But the truth is, change releases humility in your life. Change has all change. Good change and bad change. Small change, big change. All change has the capacity to either build you or break you. Think about the lottery. I know we don't play the lottery without sunglasses and a baseball cap. So that was a joke. Think about the lottery. How many lottery winners go from rags to riches. Seemingly a, a great change to be able to pay all your bills, to buy all your kids' homes and cars and pay for college and set them up for future. And it destroys so many people because all change has the capacity to build you or destroy you. So we have to understand today that change it's hardwired in our life to help create humility. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. Now, a way that change builds humility in our life is when I start to think that I can control change, that change is probably going to destroy me. Whether it's good or bad, if I'm trying to manipulate it, if I'm trying to get the outcome I want, if I'm trying to get the kids to go to the college I want, if I'm trying to get the wife to do what I want or the husband to do what I want, even in the, oh, but it's Mother's Day, manipulation and control will always cause that situation to destroy you. Pride goes before destruction. So think about that the next time we're trying to control change. We're trying to go secretly talk to person A, secretly go talk to person B, and hope that they get along, and you're playing middleman because you're just such the peacemaker. Maybe you should just take your hands off because that's actually pride. 
It's control and manipulation and trust God to restore and reconcile the situation between person A and person B. Because the more we get our hands in the mix, the more likely change is going to destroy you. I have a friend. I asked him if I could use this photo and his story, and he didn't tell me yes um, yet. But I did comment on his Facebook that if he says no, I'll apologize later. But he's not responded yet. He only gets on Facebook, I guess, you know, not very often. And I messaged him around midnight last night when I saw his post. But his name is Phil Medlin. Phil and Ann Medlin are a seasoned couple at our last church. Beautiful people. I don't know if you've ever been to Santa's Wonderland over by College Station. Millions of lights. Anyone know or heard of Santa's Wonderland? Phil and Ann started that. And uh, they, they built it from the ground up. They're, goodness, just such a beautiful, wonderful couple. And Phil put this picture on his Facebook. Do we have that picture? It's of a tree. Okay, look at that tree. And I don't know if you can see... It, the top is like hanging on by a thread. Do you see that? It's just absolutely demolished and it's still smoking. And this is what Phil put in the comments of this picture. Phil said, This tree has been dead for two or three years. It's property that they're purchasing. It hasn't been finalized yet, so he's not messed with it. But he says, This tree has been dead for two or three years and was struck by lightning and caught on fire. It just refuses to fall. God determines when it's over. God determines when it falls. And so you may feel like change is going to break you, but can we just allow it to bring humility in your life? You may just be that tree that's standing there really messed up, really looking awful, smoking from the lightning, crusty from the three years of death. That may be you. But God determines when you fall. God determines when you die. Are you with me? Change increases humility. Point number five, I'm out of time. And I feel like the Baptists are getting in line already. So I'll move through my last two points fairly quickly. Point number five, change is not random. Change isn't random. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 27.14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. I know sometimes we just feel like we're beat up. Like life gives us a, a left right hook consistently out of nowhere. But change isn't random. Life isn't happening to you. You are happening to life. You are walking into seasons and doorways that God has placed already. Everything inside of you that you need to overcome this situation. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the situation looks like today, I guarantee you, you don't have to ask God for the tools. You don't have to beg him to give you the patience or the strength. 
Everything you need is already placed inside of you because God won't send you into a season to fail. God sends you into a season to release his glory on earth, to shout his fame on earth. And it's not about your strength. It's about your ability to perceive where God is in the room. On Thanksgiving, sometimes we have a lot to cook. I'm sure you do as well. And unless you have a double oven, what you might try to do is something that that I do a lot. I'm making this casserole or these yams and then something else, and they require two different temperature settings and two different times to be in the oven. So you look at it and you think, hmm, how can I get both of these in the oven? What do I think the right temperature and time would be to cook both of them well? You know, like even corn dogs and tater tots, for some of you, you know what I'm saying. The tater tots are a different temperature. You're not going to cook them separately. Come on, we got to get this made. We got to get this done. So you put two things in the oven and you estimate on the time and you estimate on the temperature. But we have to understand that life doesn't work that way. The seasons and the situations and the circumstances in our life aren't thrown into the oven and we just estimate a time and a temperature. Every situation has a God-ordained time and a God-ordained temperature and it's not going to be done early. And if you trust God, it's not going to be done late. Change isn't random. I love verse 11. It says, the first part of it says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of man, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There is a mystery to the sovereignty of God. There are probably things in every season that you go through that you don't fully comprehend. And I know you want to know why. You want to know why you're in this season. You want to know what is the lesson you're going to learn. Often you don't know the lesson you're going to learn until after you've exited the season. And you look back and you think, oh, that's what God did for me. That's what he brought me through. The end of our life is good. Whatever you're going through right now is good. And it's only going to get better. Mainly because I know the end. I know how the story ends. And when you know the end, you can trust that it's only going to get better. That all things are going to work together for the good. There was a story of a girl who was dating this guy for six or seven months. Really just fallen head over heels time had gone on. It was Friday night and he was going to pick her up for a date and it was supposed to be really special. She was excited about it. She had spent hours getting ready, fixing her hair, putting on makeup, you know, getting the right shoes, trying on different clothes and she spent so much time. He was going to be there at 6.30. Well, 6.30 rolls around and he's not there. 6.35 rolls around and she's like, my makeup is about to melt. I need him to come on. 640 rolls around, he doesn't show up. 644, he's still not there. And then somewhere around 648, the car rolls up in the front parking lot and he honks the horn. And she thinks to herself, excuse me, this is a Friday night date. You don't 
honk the horn. This is supposed to be special. But she puts on a smile and goes outside, gets in the car, sits down, and just tries to hide how annoyed that she is in that moment. And all right, we're going to start fresh. And he looks over at her and says, honey, where do you want to go to eat? Where do I want to go to eat? And she thinks, why haven't you planned where we're going to eat? And she's like, I don't care. You choose. And he's like, how about Panera? And she thinks, your dad owns Panera. You're just trying to save money right now. You're just wanting free food because your dad owns Panera. So you wanted to take me to Panera. I don't even like their bagels and their soup. Yeah, Panera's fine. So she gets to Panera and she does the pick two. And she picks... She picks the wonderful strawberry salad that my wife likes, and then she picks the broccoli cheddar soup that's reasonable. And she sits down, and she's eating across from her boyfriend, the love of her life, and she's just sipping through her soup and just not really excited because he's, he's not really talking. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why are we on a date? You're not talking to me. You're acting a little bit strange. And then he says, well, what do you want to do next? Do you want to, do you want to go to the lake? go to the lake, she thinks to herself. If I wanted to go to the lake, if I knew we were going to the lake, I wouldn't have worn my my favorite cardigan sweater. Like, if you know you want to do something, just tell me. This is ridiculous. And so, you know, she puts a smile on and they end up going to the lake. So she spent the entire day pretty annoyed. But now let's rewind that story and let's pretend that she knows the end. She gets a call at 2 p.m. from her best friend, OMG, you're not going to believe what I just saw at the mall. And she said, what girl, what did you see? And her friend said, I just saw your man leaving the store with the ring box. And oh, he is just nervous and he's sweating and he's fumbling everywhere. I think today is the day. Girl, are you serious? You think today is the day? I do. So she spends two hours getting ready and she's so excited and 6.30, he doesn't show. And she's like, oh, he's nervous. He's He's not showing because he's nervous. 6.34, and she's peeking out with a smile, wondering when he's going to get there. 6.44, he's still not there. And she's like, man, he must be so nervous right now. I can't wait to see his face. And then 6.54, rolls around. He finally shows up, and he honks the horn. She goes, there's my baby. She opens the door, goes out to the car, sits down, and he says, what do you want to eat? Whatever. I don't care. Whatever you think. How about Panera? And she thinks, his dad owns Panera. He wants his family to experience this. Oh, man, this is going to be great. And so they get to Panera, and she does a pick two, two for like two in love for the rest of their life. And she thinks about the, the, the bagels, and it's, it's like the perfect picture of a wedding ring, and she just can't wait. And, oh, he's not talking. He's so cute. He's been to the bathroom twice. I know what he's doing. He's looking at that ring, and he's nervous. He's not talking at all. Bless his heart. So I'm going to keep the conversation going. So how was your day? I'm so happy. Don't talk. You don't have to talk. I'm just happy to be with you. Honey, do you want to go to the lake afterwards? The lake? Um, I would love to. <laughs> and she thinks this is the place. This is the place where he is going to propose. And it all changed because she knew the end from the beginning. I'm here to remind us today that no matter what season you're in, the end is good. For those who are in Christ, the end is wonderful. 
The end has your breakthrough. The end has your freedom. The end has your joy. It has your peace. It has everything that you're running around trying to gather and trying to collect. The end has it there. Which brings me to my final point. If you'll stand. Every season has beauty. Ecclesiastes 3.11 reminds us that God has made everything beautiful in its own time. Well, I sure do enjoy and look forward to spending the next three or four weeks talking about change with you. I'm not an expert at handling change correctly all the time, but I sure have some experience of doing it wrong. And I want to help you with that. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Because the biggest change that you could make today would be to step from death to life. To receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We understand that God sent his son, Jesus, in flesh and blood, in human form, to create a way of escape for you and I so that we could be in relationship with the creator of the universe. And there's nothing you have to do to earn this life change that may potentially happen right now for some of us in the room and watching online. All you have to do is say yes to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, to believe that he died on a cross, he was placed in a grave, and he rose again on the third day. All it takes is a yes. You don't have to come to him clean. You don't have to come to him pure. You just have to come to him with a yes. If that's you, this morning, if you're ready to start off this series with change, with the biggest change you could ever make in your life by saying yes to Jesus, will you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, just lift up your hand. No one's looking around. Maybe you're coming back home. Maybe you're ready to say yes to him once again to get your life in order, to stay committed, to really focus on him. If that's you, just lift up your hand. you're watching online and that's you, just place your hand on your heart. Let's just say a prayer together today. There's no formula, no rhyme to it, but it goes something like this. If you'll repeat after me, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on a cross. I believe Jesus was placed in a grave. And I believe that he rose again according to Scripture. From this day forward, my life will never be the same. I say yes to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. If you just said yes to Jesus in the room or online, if you'll scan the QR code, scan the QR code. We want to walk this journey with you. Come on, one more time. Let's give it up for everyone that said yes. We're so glad that you joined us on Mother's Day. All the youth in the room, we're looking forward to Wednesday, Color War, biggest event of the year. If you don't know about it, you better check with Pedro and the Blaze because it's phenomenal. We'll see you next week. Take what you received in here and give it to someone out there. We love you, Mom.